Asheville, Tennessee, USA. Now simulcasting on the internet at www.cr.com. and nothing but the truth, so help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today is Tuesday, November 11, 2023. Uh, had the wrong date. Yes, sorry about that. How about that? <laughs> uh, we're live, and uh, I messed up. I apologize for that. That's what was on the monitor. So, uh, world leaders are finally waking up to the fact that the Zionist government in Israel is committing war crimes in Gaza. This became apparent earlier today as the BRICS emergency meeting regarding the atrocities that are being afflicted on the Palestinian people uh, called for action. Nation after nation decried Israel's genocidal campaign. Doc Burkhart is here. And together we will look at the dramatic turn of events. We will start with the lead story from Africa. This is Africa News, November 21st. South Africa calls on the International Criminal Court to arrest Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel. So Doc has the, uh, well, we have a, we've got a video uh, from uh Africa News, and this is, uh, we want you to see what the people in Africa saw on their television news channel today. Let's watch. The South African government on Monday called on the International Criminal Court to issue an arrest warrant for Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu by mid-December. Minister in the presidency, Kumbuzo Nshaveni, said it would signal a total failure of global governance if the ICC does not do so. Israel says it is defending itself following the October 7th attack by Hamas, but the South African government has repeatedly described the Israeli campaign in Gaza as genocide. Alongside four other countries, South Africa last week submitted a referral to the ICC to investigate whether war crimes and crimes against humanity have been committed in Gaza. A longtime supporter of the Palestinian cause, South Africa has also recalled its ambassador and diplomatic staff from Israel. Following South Africa's move on Monday, Israel recalled its own envoy in Pretoria. And we have a, we have a story from Times of Israel about this uh, development between the two countries, South Africa and Israel. Times of Israel reporting today, Israel recalls envoy to South Africa after Pretoria calls for Netanyahu's arrest. Doc Burgard has the details. Yes, Israel recalled its uh, ambassador to South Africa, Eli Belaturkovsky, on uh, consultations on Monday following a series of highly antagonistic comments and steps by the government in Pretoria over Israel's military campaign in Gaza. Now, South Africa had already recalled its own ambassador and diplomatic staff from Israel, and the government has repeatedly described the Israeli campaign in Gaza as genocide. And during a press briefing on Monday, South African minister in the presidency, Kumbuzo Shedvini, said the government expected the ICC to issue an arrest warrant against Netanyahu 
and that failure to do so would represent a failure of global governance. The world cannot simply stand by and watch. The global community needs to rise to stop this genocide now, he said. Uh, She uh, noted that South Africa's ambassadors to The Hague and the Netherlands had filed a referral to the ICC to investigate the commission of war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide against Israel last week, uh, together with the Comoros, Djibouti, Bolivia, and Bangladesh. Given that much of the global community are witnessing the commission of these crimes in real time, including statements of genocidal intent by many Israeli leaders, we expect that warrants of arrest for these leaders, including Prime Minister Netanyahu, will be issued shortly, she said. Well, Rick, they're only about a week or two behind you. You have been calling for uh, war crimes arrest now for a few days. Uh, that's true, Doc. Uh, what's, what's, uh, what's very interesting here is that um, the president of South Africa um, is saying that she expects Netanyahu that the arrest warrants will be issued shortly. Now, what is shortly? Days? Weeks? But she seems uh, confident that the evidence is, is overwhelming. Well, in this case, you have you have a vast amount of video that's getting out right. of Gaza. Now, the, the Israelis have... They, they, they shut down most communications, the Internet and most cell phones in Gaza. So how, how, are, how are videos getting out? People with SIM cards that are connected to Western right. uh, communication systems. So those are the few videos that are getting out. Israel is also systematically shooting Arab news reporters. Yes. I mean, targeting them, killing them. They're picking them off one by one. So Israel has has carried out a preconceived, orchestrated campaign to kill news reporters and to eliminate news reporting. Right. Whether it's by, news reporting is by uh, professional journalists or by citizen reporters with phones. But we're still seeing a lot of video. And the amount of videos that are coming out every day is horrendous. So you have video evidence of war crimes. Unmistakable, undeniable war crimes. Plus you have statements by Israeli politicians. Right, they're called for the genocidal elimination of the Palestinian people. Precisely. So you put those two things together... And you have a case to indict Netanyahu and his cabinet, plus the commanders of the Israeli military. Will it happen? I'm, I'm not going to put a lot of uh, confidence in that the ICC will do it. But we might be shocked. We, we might be shocked. They may, may actually do it. Well, there was a different tone at this meeting as we get into further stories because now we're seeing countries that had been kind of in the middle now shift their positions a little bit. And right. so we're going to be seeing that today, too. So this BRICS summit, the purpose of why it was called in the first place, from Al Arabia News, was 
the Gaza situation. That was uh, what the emergency meeting was all about. So the thing about this, Doc, they called an emergency meeting of the BRICS nation. This right. wasn't a regularly scheduled meeting. Right. So uh, as Rick reported, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa accused Israel of war crimes and genocide in Gaza as he chaired an extraordinary summit of the BRICS group of nations on Tuesday. Now, Pretoria is hosting this virtual meeting of BRICS. Uh, that's a group of major emerging economies that include Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, aimed at drawing up a common response to the Israel-Hamas conflict. The collective punishment of Palestinian civilians through the unlawful use of force by Israel is a war crime. The deliberate denial of medicine, food, and water to the residents of Gaza is tantamount to genocide. Now, Rick, I don't disagree with their statements or uh, anything like that at all. But the fact that an economic alliance got together to have an emergency meeting regarding a political, uh, really a war situation that didn't involve any of their particular countries, uh, I think is telling about the confidence and power that BRICS is is having. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right, Doc. Uh, the South African president, uh, Mr. Ramaphosa, uh, chaired the summit. He was the one with the gavel for the meeting. And in attendance were heads of state, cabinet ministers for Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And other nations. And, as well. and other nations. New, new nations that have been that, that are being admitted. So President Ramaphosa said the collective punishment of Palestinian civilians through the unlawful use of force by Israel is a war crime. The deliberate denial of medicine, fuel, food, and water to the residents of Gaza is tantamount to genocide. I'm rereading his statement, Doc, because this is the man who had the gavel. Right. This wasn't a speaker that requested time to make a presentation. Right. The, the man with the gavel of this emergency meeting accused Israel of a war crime, and it's his country that called for the arrest of Netanyahu. Right. Now, I personally think that the South African government would not have made a call for the arrest of Netanyahu without a wink and nod from China and Russia and Brazil and India. Yes. I think they privately said, go out, go out publicly and do it. Go out and call for his arrest. They didn't go on record themselves as saying they're, they're for the arrest of Netanyahu. But I don't think South Africa did it without some type of, you know, some type of, of approval that said, you, you can make this, this very uh, radical statement. And, and we been, will not condemn you. Right. And it's been nearly 12 hours since they, he started making these statements. Uh, and if there was going to be a, you know, a drawback from any other nations in BRICS, we would have heard about it by now. Yes. Somebody, so, China or, or Russia would have stepped out and said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, South Africa has gone too far. We're not, we're not calling for the arrest of Netanyahu. Right. I think their silence tells you. 
that they do support the arrest of Netanyahu. So Putin's getting even. Remember, Doc, the West has an arrest warrant out for Putin. Putin's getting even. Right. Now, if Netanyahu gets criminally charged by the International Criminal Court, then if he lands someplace where Interpol can pick him up, they will, right? He can't leave the country now. Netanyahu can't leave the country. (laughs) If there's an arrest warrant issued for him, he will not be able to leave the state of Israel. Again, will these things happen? I don't know, but the fact that we're seeing an emergency meeting of major nations calling for his arrest, that is a big change. Right. Doc, what we saw here with the BRICS emergency summit, this is the new UN Security Council. Yes, I was thinking along that and we're seeing the world getting split in two right now. There will be two United Nations. Right. I don't know what they're going to call them. Maybe even the present United Nations will change its name. I don't know. But there will be two entities competing to be the United Nations of the world. And these Hmm. nations, BRICS, that's the new Security Council. That's the group that will say, here are the rules. This is what we're doing. Doc, someday, the BRICS alliance will have its own international criminal court. They will have their own prosecutors, their own judges. And the West will no longer be able to manipulate and dominate various institutions around the world, like the World Bank and, right. and so forth. So I see, I see a BRICS-aligned international criminal court coming someday. Well, and that would go along with my thoughts earlier that what we're seeing is a shift in what BRICS is. BRICS started as an economic alliance or several, you know, several of the BRICS nations coming together, looking at ways that they could maximize economic opportunities with one another. Now, with this today, it's turned into a political unit, a, 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 you know, the start of a political organization that goes beyond, way beyond economics. Absolutely. It will have its own military. Right. It'll have its own NATO. There will be a NATO-like alliance in the BRICS Alliance of Nations. Right. We're going to see... The world is going to be divided between at least two camps, possibly three, but definitely two camps. And Doc and I have been talking about this for several years, that the what you and I are witnessing is the, the death of the new world order. Um, some people were going, wait a minute, Rick, the, the new world order is coming. No. There's a new, new world order that's coming. We have been in the new world order since the end of World War II. Why do you think, why do you think everything's become so weird? We're in their new world order. Their new world order is weird. It's perverted. It's against all the things that you and I were brought up to believe is right. Yes. And they've twisted it and perverted things. And a lot of patriots and conservatives and constitutionalists in America were saying for years, ever since I've been hosting this program since 1999, 
We've got to stop the new world order. We've got to stop it. Right. The new world order already came. It's getting ready to go. You've lived your life through the new world order. If you've been alive since 1945, you have lived in the new world order. That's why things are weird. That's why things are unchristian. That's why things are unconstitutional. Because they have been dismantling the Constitution. They have been trying to nullify and rescind the Holy Bible. They have been implementing their new world order. Not trying to do it, but doing it. If you sat down with the globalists, they wouldn't say, Hey, we're trying to build a new world order. They would say, You little peons, you don't even realize we've dominated you for nearly 80 years in our new world order. We've had it. It's been in place. It started at Bretton Woods after World War II. We created the infrastructure of the new world order. We made the U.S. dollar the global reserve currency. We established the International Monetary Fund. We established the World Bank. We created the United Nations. The United Nations created the State of Israel. We are in charge. Yes. We've been running the world. We legalized abortion. We forced nations to accept homosexuality. We have now introduced transgenderism. We're in charge. This is the new world order. Not that it's coming, but what's happening is the existing new world order is dying right in front of our eyes. And I want some, I want our patriots, friends, our constitutionalists, our conservatives, our Christians. Some of you have been trying desperately to save that which should die. If you, if you had lived when the Roman Empire was collapsing and you frantically tried to save the Roman Empire, it meant that you didn't understand the monumental changes that were occurring on the planet. Why would you save the Roman Empire? And so we've had people mistakenly over the last several decades trying to save what they thought was our way of life but what they were trying to save was the last gasp of the new world order my view is let it die let that thing die there's a new there will be competing new world orders for the coming decades right several decades. I don't know who's going to win. Well, I take that back. This Bible tells me that there will be a new world order that will be in existence for a period of time that will be ruthless, demonic, and completely against Christ. That's, that is the ultimate new world order of mankind. But that new world order will be destroyed. And it's in Psalm 2. Yes. Psalm 2 prophesizes the end of the final new world order. Regardless of who's in control of it, whether it's the West, the East, the Zionists, 
Or something in between. Or something in between. We don't know how many more of these New World Order empires are going to come and go before Christ comes. Because when Christ comes, he's not going. Amen. Empires come and go. Nations come and go. Dictators come and go. Christ will come. He's not going. When he comes back, his kingdom shall have no end. Yes. It's lights out for the New World Order boys. Lights out for Satan. And eternal light will shine from New Jerusalem. So there is a, there's at least, I would say, two New World Orders coming immediately. The West will reconstitute something. This thing is dying. They, they've got, the West will need a new financial system. They'll new, they will need a new political structure. What happens, Doc, when the dollar is no longer the global reserve currency? What replaces it? I don't know. Yeah, will we end up with a, a global currency, or will it no, suddenly but, shift? No, there's not going to be not for, not in the immediate future. There's not going to be a global currency. That's right. just the point. There's not going to be one. The only way that there would be a global currency would be one of the two competing new world orders would have to completely collapse and surrender. So either the United States and Europe totally collapses and surrenders and is conquered by the East, or the East totally collapses and is conquered by the West. That's the only way you were going to get a global system in the immediate future. And that immediate future for me is decades long. The current New World Order has been in existence since 1945. We're now in 2023. It took this long for it to die. And it is dying. It is on a respirator. It's gasping for breath. It can't function. But it's got a 45 in its hand and its finger can still move. (laughs) That's a pretty good analogy there, Rick. Okay. You've got a weak, dying person on a stretcher, on a it's on a respirator, but gripping a loaded forty-five, and still capable of pulling the trigger. And I'm talking about nuclear warfare. And the East knows it. The East knows, hey, that thing's dying, but that it, it's, it's still dangerous. It's dangerous. It's got weapons, and the weapons are loaded. It's cocked and ready to fire. And so, what the East is doing is slowly deflating the Western balloon. They're slowly deflating the Western balloon. Let the air out slowly. Don't frighten the beast. Let the air come out slowly. Every year it gets weaker, it comes down lower and lower, it's weaker, it's smaller, it's shrinking. There will be a day it disappears. That's their thinking. So the West obviously knows that they're in trouble. The danger is they may strike out. They may do something really crazy, like nuclear war, with an attitude as... If we can't rule the world, yes. nobody's going to rule the world. Right. That's, that's the danger part. 
Because when you have these people that have controlled trillions of dollars and they suddenly realize they're going to lose their power and their wealth and their dominance in the world, you don't know what they'll do. You don't know what viruses they will release. Yes, in a last-ditch effort to strike out at something. Because they that's can all release, they ever do. They could release a virus that kills Chinese people. Yes. They could release a virus that kills Russians. Jesus said, if God the Father does not shorten the days, the days of mankind, no flesh would survive. Right. No flesh. No flesh. Nothing would be alive on earth. Not even a cricket. No flesh. No animal, no human, no flesh would survive. Because the warfare is going to become so horrendous, so wicked, diabolical, beyond our comprehension. That's what's up ahead. The question for us is how far ahead is it? And we don't know the answer to that. We don't know. What we know right now is that the world is splitting, the world system is splitting in two. And you will either be in a Western system or an Eastern system. Now, will Europe split away from the United States? That's a possibility. Would Europe say, we're going to go out on our own? We're we're going to walk away from the United States. And now it's the United States and Canada and what's left of North and Central and South America. And that becomes the block. And then you have a European block, and you have an Asian block. And most likely the Asian block will control the African block. Because I don't see the Africans or the South Americans in a position yet that they have enough clout to create their own competitive system. So they will have to align with someone. With somebody. They're going to have to pick the the T-Rex that they want to dance with. Because that's really what what it comes down to. Two two dinosaurs fighting each other. And Russia doesn't really want to be aligned with China. But for the circumstances of right now, they don't have a choice. Because it's survival for them. The the West is coming after Russia. So we pushed Russia into the arms of China. Yes. Foolish. Foolish foreign policy of the ruling class of America. 25 years ago, Russia wanted to join NATO. We had the opportunity to become allies. The foolishness of the CFR ruling class, the Bilderberg boys, the Trilateral Commission guys, this arrogance of the ruling class, they pushed Russia into the arms of China. And now you hear talk show hosts and think tank uh, experts talking about this axis of evil. Well, you created the axis of evil. Right. Your your arrogant foreign policy created it. So we, we have two world orders that are forming right now. In this program, I'm talking to people in who are living in both of those systems. How so? How are, how are they living in both those systems? No. Not, not simultaneously. Ah. I'm saying our audience, Doc, we have Americans that are in the American New World Order. Right. 
We have Europeans who are listening to us, watching us. They may be in a future European New World Order block. Or Europe may align itself with the United States block. They're in it now. I mean, the European Union is a CIA operation. Yes. That's a fact. It went, you go back to post-World War II, the CIA created the European Union. But we also have people watching True News right now who live in Asia, who live in Russia, who live in Eastern Europe. You know what? You know what block you and I and Doc are in? We're in the Jesus block. Right. We're not aligned with anybody's new world order. You have to be aligned with the kingdom of God world order because that's the ruling order. That's the winner. That's the one that's going to go home with the prize. Right. The new world order is the new universal order. It's not a world. It's the universe. Right. He has a new universal order. And that order came into existence at Calvary. When Christ came out of the grave triumphant, the new universal order was established. And the full manifestation of it is coming when Christ comes back. I said that the prophecy is in Psalm 2. And many of you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, This is where God is speaking to the the rulers of the world. And he tells them, um, you, you guys have a conspiracy? And he really does accuse them of, of right. conspiring. And, and God says, I laugh at you. I'm up here in heaven. I look down at you. You're like little ants to me. And I laugh at your conspiracy. Let's look at Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? It's actually the peoples, multiple nations. Right. Why do the population of the nations plot in vain? Well, if you plot something, what are you doing? You're conspiring. Right. There's a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy of nations against Almighty God. Why do you rage? Not against each other, against God. Right. Why are the leaders of the world in a rage to defeat God why are you conspiring in a plot your plot is in vain your conspiracy theory is in vain see the world leaders are the masters of conspiracy theories and they have their ultimate conspiracy theory is to overthrow God himself Yes, they tried it with Nimrod their ancestors tried it with Nimrod And he failed. His plan was to build a tower to heaven and overthrow the God who had flooded the earth and destroyed the wicked civilization that existed at the time of Noah. You got to remember, Doc, Nimrod was a descendant of Noah. Yes. Noah was still alive when Nimrod was king. Nimrod heard his great-grandfather Noah talking about the pre-flood civilization. 
He heard the stories. He knew how advanced the civilization was. He knew. He knew about the technology. He knew what they were capable of doing. He knew about the Nephilim. He knew about the genetic manipulation of the gene pool. He knew about the science of that pre-flood civilization. And it angered him. He also knew about the war machines. I'm talking about the fighting capability of the nations before the flood. God looked at the earth and said, at the world and said, all they think about is evil. Yes. Is bloodshed everywhere. Continually. Continually. There's bloodshed everywhere. I wish I never made them. I regret the day I made them. And Nimrod, hearing his great-grandpappy Noah talking about these things, Noah's sitting in his rocking chair saying, let me tell you what it was like. Let me tell you guys why God flooded the earth. You people need to understand why he flooded the earth. I'm going to tell you. And there were people who heard Noah talk about the pre-flood civilization. Right. Some of them feared God and said, no wonder he flooded the earth. Others, like Nimrod, said, how dare he do it? He took it all away from us. This invisible God up in the sky. He took it all away from us. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to build a tower. A tower built with our technology. A techno tower. And what was the purpose of this tower? To overthrow God. To pull God right out of heaven. To pull him out. And they were going to carry out a coup against God. And get rid of him. And rule the world forever. And they never again would have any rules and regulations and morality and Bibles and commandments. Never again. Right. They'd get rid of all that stuff. So, we look at Psalm 2. And God is saying, Why do the nations rage and anger against me? Why are all the peoples plotting in vain a conspiracy theory against me? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. Right. Listen, folks. The ruling class of the world get together and they take counsel together. They huddle together in a summit. Not just one. Or a forum. Or a forum. But this is not just one. This is ongoing. Yes. This is an ongoing conspiracy through the ages. God has a controversy with the nations. This is the evidence of the controversy with the nations. What do you got against me, guys? God's looking down and saying, why are you so angry at me? Why do you have your, your secret meetings in your palaces and underground bunkers and secure rooms? You, you think I can't hear you? I can hear everything you're saying. But they think that they're holding these secret summits to build their new world order 
a world order that does not have Jesus Christ. Right. And he says, And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who is his anointed? It is his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. They take counsel against the anointed. And they say, Let us tear off their bonds and cast away their ropes from us. Tear off their bonds. Right. Who is is there? God and his anointed. Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yes. Let's tear off their bonds. We're bonded to them. We're stuck with them. We're tied to them. We're chained. We can't get loose from this God. This God who flooded the earth. In the days of Noah, took away all the civilization, all the technology, all the war-making abilities, all of the sorcery and secret knowledge of Babylon. It was all destroyed, all of it wiped out. And cast away their ropes from us. They see God's commandments and his ways as ropes. Right. Restraints. The restraints change. They're, they're tied down to this God that they despise. Boy, isn't that the, the theme you hear at all these different events? I mean, over and over again. I mean, that that is it. To replace God yes. with our own authority. Yes, that's what this is all about. This is the ultimate new world order of the ruling class of the world. It's not about attacking the state of Israel. Yes, amen. That's the nonsense taught by the John Hagees of the world. It's Schofieldism, Darbyism, that all the nations of the world are going to, the armies are going to encircle the little state of Israel, and then Jesus is going to come back and destroy the armies of the world, and he's going to set up his kingdom in downtown Jerusalem. That's, that's dispensationalism. Yes. That's Darbyism. Psalm 2 says, All the rulers of the world plot against the anointed one, Jesus Christ. He is, what is anointed one? Christ. Yes. Christ means anointed one. All of the world leaders plot against the anointed one. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord ridicules them. He looks down and he goes, he looks at their plots, their schemes, their technology, their advanced civilization, and he says, well, isn't that cute? You made me laugh. That made me laugh. That's so, that's, watch if I just blow on it. What if I take my finger and just brush it aside? Oh, they fell off the world and they're drifting in outer space. How about that? God can pick up the planet and blow on it. And man is blown away. Yes. But he he's amused. He's amused by them. You think God is afraid of the New World Order? You think he's befuddled by the New World Order guys? He's amused by them. They're he's, at it again. And they're at it again. But this time they're going to they're splitting like a cell. Like it's it's subdividing like a cell. It's You've got the existing new world order 
that is splitting and becoming two competing world orders. And he says, look at that. Now it's doubly funny. You're going to fight among yourselves. So, it says, the Lord ridicules them. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his burning anger. That's the day of the Lord. Yes. He will speak to them. Who's them? The rulers of the world. He will speak to them in his wrath. He will terrify them in his burning anger. He will send fire to earth that will burn up their fire. That's how hot it will be. Some of you need to ponder this. God will send fire to earth that will burn up man's fire. You just think about that all day. What kind of fire burns up fire? Then he says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I'm sorry, uh, Kabbalists. You're not going to build your third temple in Jerusalem. You're not going to install your wicked king. God says, I have installed my king. My king of Zion. Yes. His king is his son. He chose who would be the king of the earth. And he ordained that Jesus Christ shall be the king of the earth. And he said, I have installed him. Yes. Not I will. But at that time. He is king now. Jesus Christ is king now. Yes. On his cross in three languages was king of the Jews. It was in three languages. Right. So the whole world would understand. He is king now. I will declare the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. This day have I begotten you. And look at verse 8. Ask of me. This is God speaking to Jesus, his son. Ask of me and I will give you. I, God, will give you, Jesus, what? The nations. For what purpose? Your inheritance. God the Father says to Jesus Christ, Son, ask me. Ask me for the nations. I will give you all the nations of the world as your inheritance. I'm putting it in my will. You inherit everything. The Zionists don't inherit anything. No. The communists don't inherit anything. The homosexuals don't inherit anything. The American government doesn't inherit anything. The anointed one inherits all of it. Right. It's been promised to him already. It's already been promised. And this promise goes back to Abraham. That's right. This is the promise. The nations of the world... Christian Zionism teaches that the state of Israel will bless the world. They teach that the Jewish people will bless all the nations of the earth. That is a lie. That is a heresy. It is blasphemy. It is Jesus Christ who will bless.
bless all the nations of the world. Right. He was given the inheritance. I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You will break them with a scepter of iron. You will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. What's going to happen on the day of the Lord? Jesus Christ will break the rulers of the world with a scepter of iron. Yes. He will dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. He will take the nations of the world and throw them down and smash them. The armies, the empires, the banking systems, the wealthy families, the scientific centers of learning. It will all be thrown down and smashed like pottery. On the day of the Lord. Then he, God gives some advice to the rulers of the world. Now then, you kings, be wise. Be admonished, you judges of the earth. Here's, God says, now here's my advice to you. Be wise, rulers of the world. Here's my advice to you. Serve the Lord with fear, tremble, and trepidation. Kiss the sun. Yes. Kiss my son. God says right now, rulers, Joe Biden, kiss my son. Xi Jinping, kiss my son. Benjamin Netanyahu, kiss my son. Why? Lest he, the son, become angry and you perish in the way. For his, Jesus, his wrath kindles in a flash blessed are all who seek refuge in him that's the new world order that's coming it's the Jesus new world order we're going to see some tumultuous things in the years ahead we may have decades I don't know nobody knows but the way that we have lived since 1945 has ended we're living in the vapors of the new world order the the American republic that we knew and loved and cherished has died it's not coming back it's not there's not going to be any MAGA movement that's going to restore it not what it was Right. It's not going. There will be something new, right? But it's not going to be what it was. The same thing happened to the Roman Empire. It fought, they had five different uh, changes in form of government over their entire history. They became something else. They were still the Romans, yes, but they had to become something else right. to compete in that new environment right. that it, each age found itself in. Greece is still here as yes. a nation, but they're not an empire, right? But at one time they ruled the world. Yes. But they're still here. America will still be here years from now. Right. But it's not going to be what it was. We are witnessing the death of America. And instead of wasting your time trying to save a dying patient on a, a gurney that has a respirator attached to it, you should spend your time proclaiming the kingdom of the anointed one. 
because that's the ruling class. I mean, that is the that is the universal world order that will last forever. Right. The kingdom, the kingdom of no God end. that shall have no end. We need to spend our time proclaiming Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Let Rome die. Let man's nations vanish. The, the early church didn't, they didn't have bumper stickers on their donkey carts saying, make Rome great again. They, they weren't having political meetings saying, you know, I think that last Roman election was rigged. Of course they were rigged. Right. It was a corrupt civilization. That's why they collapsed. The early church was focused on proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they set their focus on what was eternal. And though we report this news here, I don't want people thinking this is what is really important. <laughs> Will Netanyahu go to prison? I don't know. He should. But if he doesn't repent and believe in the name of Jesus, he will be in the prison of the lake of fire for eternity. Right. He might escape prison here in this world, but he's not going to escape the prison of the lake of fire if he does not repent and believe in the name of Jesus. But that goes for Donald Trump. That goes for Joe Biden. That goes for every world leader. They may escape accountability in this life, but they will not escape accountability when they leave this life. And that goes for every single person. Right. The primary issue for everybody to decide is where will you reside after you take your last breath? Where will you be when your heart stops beating? When your lungs stop exhaling air? Where will you be? That's the question everybody must answer. But politically, we are, what we are witnessing in our lifetime the demise of the post-World War II world order. There will be, we're, what we're in right now is the transition. Yes. And in a transition, you know, the document, whether, I don't know if I can explain this, but you know, when, when one uh, weather system is bumping up against another weather system. There's usually a storm. What do you have? Storms. Right. It's turbulent. And that's what we're having right now in the world. So when those clouds come together, they're bumping water droplets against each other. But yes. each little water droplet can generate energy. And then that's where you start getting the lightning and, yes. the, and the wind and everything else. That's, what's, that's what we're having in the world right now. We're in a transition stage. The old world order is fading away. The rulers of it are trying to jumpstart it, but they know they're going to have to do something totally new, which is, we're seeing signs of it, like the Federal Reserve, um, you know, plans for a, a digital uh, currency. Right. Um, I don't know if you noticed uh, today, the, the, uh, the uh, Biden administration, the Security Exchange Commission, filed charges against uh, a Kraken. Yes, I saw that. They want to put them out of business. Right. And there was another uh, company too yesterday, I can't recall the name, but they're doing the same yeah, thing. They want to too. put the crypto industry out of business, so they dominate it. But 
These are dinosaurs trying to remain in control, not understanding they're dinosaurs, and they're going to fade away. Well, let me tell you, if you were on the earth while the dinosaurs were here, even the day before they disappeared, they were dangerous. You, you didn't tangle with them. They're still dinosaur. So we have dinosaurs today that are aware that their days are numbered. They're trying to come up with a new system. But the East is trying to impose its system. And it looks like it's bricks. That looks like what it's going to be. And inside bricks, you have Russia, China, and India. Yes. Vying inside bricks to be the top dog inside bricks. Because China can't do it without the other countries. And neither can Russia or India. The two main players really are Russia and China. And neither one can run BRICS without the approval of the other. So there's this back and forth balance. Both sides want to take out the other side. But they don't know how to do it. They want to dominate. Not necessarily take them out. I don't mean that. Like eliminate them. But conquer them. Dominate. So you're going to have turbulence over there in the BRICS side too. So they're, they're trying to hold together. We've got a Western alliance dying, but a new one that has to come in to existence. For us, we have to know how to navigate. And I think of the, in the Old Testament, the sons of Issachar. The Bible says that the sons of Issachar discerned the times and knew what Israel should do. Right. So you and I, together, we're, we're in this together. I rely on, a, on many of you to send me ideas and concepts and understanding and wisdom. We're in this together. We need to discern the times and then know what Israel should do. Israel's not the state of Israel. Israel is the people of God. And the people of God are those who follow Jesus Christ. So in this age, the sons of Issachar are the disciples of Christ. We should discern the times and know what the disciples of Christ should do in this age. You don't want to be just tossed to and fro, back and forth, like you're in the ocean and the waves are just just battering you around and and slamming you into, into the docks. Right. You don't have to live like that. You can have wisdom. Wisdom from the Lord. Wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And make the right decisions. We see with the economy. We see where they're going. They're trying to get rid of the U.S. dollar. Replace the fiat dollar with a digital, invisible dollar. A digital fiat dollar. Yes, a digital fiat dollar. That's more invisible than the current one that we have. Will it be gold back? I don't know. But a lot of people think that BRICS will come out with a gold-backed digital coin. That they will have gold. And that gold will be the dominant precious metal that will back the winning new world order. Right. Well, and then 
he saw the new president of Argentina. Uh, yes. And, of course, he wants to convert Argentina to the U.S. dollar. Yes. And so when the U.S. goes digital, guess what? Argentina is under that umbrella. Yes, the they're going time. to go in. And where, where is the first country that this new president of Argentina, where is he going to go visit? His first foreign trip will be to Israel. So Argentina got their own Zelensky. That's right. They, they got a Zionist puppet installed in South America. In South America. And he is he's unique, that's all I'll say. He's seen all the right things, isn't he? All the right things uh, against liberals and things like that. I just don't trust him, Rick. <laughs> well, um, last night I watched a video of um, Ben Shapiro raving over him. Oh, well, that automatically kicks Wouldn't that be enough right there to tell you? Ben Shapiro's just, I, I mean, I thought Shapiro was going to hyperventilate. And um, Shapiro made a hand gesture. I, I'm too old to know what these hand gestures are. I mean, I don't know if it means something in among young people I'm just you know I'm an old geezer how am I going to know all the, all the hand gestures I know are old geezer well, hand now gestures you've intrigued me what was the hand gesture I don't know I'm not going to do it in program because it might be obscene I don't know what it is but he he deliberately made that hand sign okay I don't know it, it may mean that he's having a birthday party I don't know <laughs> But he deliberately made a hand gesture when he was talking about the president, the newly elected president of Argentina. But if you go back to what I've been talking about, God sits in heaven and laughs at all these people. Less laughs at them. Oh, that's cute. Go ahead. Build your new world order. I'm just going to blow it away like dust someday. When I set my son on Zion... It's not going to matter anyway. That's right. Because he's, he'll be here. He's going to visit them with fire. My passion is to proclaim the kingdom of God. My passion is to tell people that Jesus Christ is coming back. My passion is to get people introduced to the Son of God, the Savior of the world. I, I, my passion is not the news. And my passion is not patriotism. My patriotism is to my king. I am patriotic to my kingdom. My citizenship is in heaven. My passport is written in the blood of Jesus Christ. I have one leader, Jesus. One, you know, it makes it simple. It really makes it simple. You don't have to worry about which political party is in power. Right. You don't have to wonder whether you're voting for the right person or not I like having a king it makes life a lot simpler it makes it very simple when you when when you know that the king is perfect that he's righteous he is just I can follow him right and he gave us the instruction manual too told us how to live in his kingdom yes and he promised he promised a, a universal what do they call the UBI? The Universal Basic Income. Yeah, he promised. He, yeah, he'll give you a UBI. Did you know that he will give you a UBI? You have to give. When you become a generous giver, you automatically are enrolled in heaven's UBI system. 
because the, in our kingdom, it operates under a whole completely different, different system. You give and then you receive. That's the way it works in his kingdom. He has a universal basic income. And you just have to be a generous person. I love giving. I hope you do too. And we encourage you to to give to this ministry. This is good soil to be sowing into because there are a lot of souls being saved every day. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment for some more news. WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. WWCR, Nashville, Tennessee, USA. Well, I hope our first hour was better than... You watching all the gory videos that we had prepared. I don't know, we got here about uh, five or six pages of gory genocidal videos. It's disturbing, all of us, to watch this stuff. And, and that's why I felt like I had to put the focus on King Jesus. That he is watching, he sees it, and... He's going to visit these people in his wrath. Yes. He's going to visit all of these world leaders in his wrath with his fire. And that day is coming quickly. Every day that we're alive, we're one day closer to the arrival of Jesus Christ. And uh, so, again, going back to what I was saying at the end of the uh, first hour, my passion is to proclaim the gospel. When I see... The horrific things that are taking place in Gaza, I know that Satan has been turned loose from the abyss. He is roaming the earth. He is deceiving the nations. And the things that we were told were going to come to the earth in the last days, they are now unfolding before us. We must be busy about the Father's business. Right. And his business is to proclaim that his son is the king. And you need to submit to his son. If you do not submit to his son, if he doesn't if you do not obey the son's commandments, then you are not saved. Simple as that. It's just as simple. If you do not submit to King Jesus and you do not obey his commandments, you are not saved. He demands complete submission and obedience. He is a king. Not a wannabe king. He is the king. God the Father installed him on Mount Zion a long time ago. We'll be back with Morning Manna. Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD. Let's pray. Father, 
We pray in the glorious, mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you for overcoming the hindrance to starting this Bible class today. We praise you. Your church prayed in one accord in faith in the name of Jesus, and the obstacle was removed. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, we invite your Holy Spirit into this morning man of Bible study to teach us your wonder, wonderful word and reveal to us the majesty, the greatness of your son, Jesus, and his glorious kingdom that shall have no end. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, we are in chapter 19 in the book of Acts, and we're going to pick back up at uh, verse 11 in chapter 19. And uh, so if you read along with me, and God brought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, I like that phrase, vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So God bless the reading of his word today. Okay. Amen. Praise God. Um, all right, so we're going to start with verses uh, 11 and 12. God worked special miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were carried away from his body to the sick and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out. So we'll first look at the, the extraordinary nature of what took place uh, the Bible calls them special miracles. <laughs> to me, not ordinary miracles. <laughs> these, so I guess, I guess in the Lord's mind, He's got ordinary miracles and He has special miracles because these miracles are described as special. So the phrase "special miracles" emphasizes that. These were not ordinary occurrences in the church, but unusual manifestations of God's power. They were extraordinary and unparalleled. The only thing we saw close to it was Peter's shadow healing people. Right. 
So these are remarkable, unusual manifestations of God's power. And they were intended to confirm the truth of the apostolic doctrine that Paul preached. Number two, we have unique healing objects. Handkerchiefs and aprons were used as instruments of healing. Physical, physical items that transported the healing power of God. Uh, these uh, these objects, uh, again, handkerchiefs and aprons, were brought to Paul, who prayed over them, who came into physical contact with them, and then they were taken back to the sick. Uh, and the demon-possessed, too. Yes, to the de- sick and the demon-possessed. So the handkerchiefs were called the uh, pseudoria. It's the same as a handkerchief to wipe perspiration from your face. Right. The word was pseudoria. That was the Latin word. And the aprons were, I think it was uh, simacentia. Simacentia. A Latin word. It's a a narrow apron. um, Like a sash. Worn by artists when they're working. Or when I say artists, I don't not just um, like painters, um, but sculptors, um, anybody in a craft. It's an apron that they wear during their work. So these are uh, uncommon healing methods, and it was it was done to serve as a sign of God's extraordinary power. Transmission of healing. The the healing power of God was transferred into a physical object. And when placed on a sick person or demon-possessed person, they were delivered and healed. The diseases departed and evil spirits fled. A divine confirmation. These miracles, and they're special miracles, performed through Paul, were a divine confirmation of his apostolic authority. And a confirmation of the truth that he preached. There's a parallel to miracles performed by Jesus Uh, the expulsion of evil spirits and you know the amazing miracles and it's a confirmation of faith the healing of the sick and the expulsion of evil spirits confirmed the faith of those who witnessed or experienced these miracles There's also evidence for the gospel. These special miracles provided evidence for the truth of the gospel message and the authenticity of Paul's ministry. 
there's an impact on evangelism. These special miracles drew large crowds of people to hear the gospel. And there was an effect on the citizens of the region. Word of these unusual miracles spread throughout the region. Then we get to verses 13 and 14. I like the King James Version better. Mine says some of the itinerant Jews, uh, what Doc read was uh, vagabond Jews. That, that just has a better ring to it, vagabond. You know, like, kind of like gypsy Jews. Some of the itinerant Jews, exorcists, took on themselves to invoke over those who had the evil spirits. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Verse 14, there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did this. So these vagabond Jews wandered from place to place practicing exorcism as a profession. Right. So they're like um, the magician that we studied in the earlier chapters of Acts. Uh, he had his own, you know, stick. And when he saw when he saw Paul casting out evil spirits in the name of Jesus, he said, "Hey, I'm, I'm going to do that too and add this to my uh, to my bag of tricks. I'll make some money with this this uh, little thing." Right. So they were called exorcists, but they really weren't. They were practicers of witchcraft, is what they were. They were Kabbalist Jews. Yes. Plain and simple, these were Jews who practiced Kabbalah. They believed that just the words that Paul was speaking was what the power over uh, the demons, yes. the evil spirits. That's what yes. the basis of witchcraft is, that it's words that, uh, you know... Uh, that do the work, if you will. Incantations. Right. Spells. Spells. You gotta have the right formula. That's right. There you go. Say it you have to say it the right way, use the exact words, say it the exact way, do it the precise way, and you got the magic. That's what they believed. They used charms and spells and incantations to uh what they claim was to deliver people possessed by demons. Right. But these vagabond Jews were demon-possessed themselves. <laughs> you got it. Some of them, and Doc, this is, is going to be really fascinating to you as, as I studied this. Some of these vagabond Jews at, at that time claimed to possess secret knowledge. I, I that, they, that they said came from Solomon. I don't doubt it. So they're Freemasons. Yes. Yes, it's the Freemasons. It's the same people you have today, the Christian Zionists, the Kabbalists, the mystery. Um, you have these mystery rabbis that dress in black and talk about mysteries and they appear on Christian TV shows and they're spooky looking. They're just spooky. Well, they're spooky because they got spooks. 
they're messing around with <laughs> they're messing around with demons. They're, they're, they're nothing other than Kabbalist Jews who are practicing Kabbalism, and this goes back to the secret knowledge that was gathered by Solomon. Wow. Remember, Solomon went into occultism. He strayed from the Lord. Everything is going on about building the third temple in Jerusalem. It is not about, they say, well, we have to do this so Jesus comes back. So, Moni, so they're a, doing a, a, big so stopping, a big building and stopping Jesus from coming back. Right. Now, they're building it to house their secret knowledge. They're building a temple to Freemasonry and secret Babylonian knowledge. That's what it's about. So, these vagabond Jews, that could be a song, couldn't it? <laughs> Sounds like the name of a band. This should, should be in a Broadway play. Uh, no, I think it's in the name of a, uh, a rock folk band. Okay, Vagabond Jews. Vagabond Jews. You could have Bob Dylan in it. You could have, uh, let's see, a couple of, you know, just, you know. <laughs> right, now, right now they'd be uh, performing in Argentina. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, man, what a story that is. So, yes. After they played in, in Ukraine. So, just Vagabond another, Jews. Just another clown, Rick. He's yeah. just another clown. He's just another clown. These uh, vagabond Jews heard about the miracles uh, performed by Paul, and they said they were going to imitate Paul. So they specifically attempted to use the name of Jesus in their exorcism, and but they didn't. They were not disciples of Jesus. This was all about show. So the Bible tells us they said the words. Remember, they believed in words in incantations you have to do it a certain way so they said we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches so they acknowledged that they were using the name they didn't know but Paul knew yes they did have enough honesty to admit they didn't know Jesus but they said we're going to use the name that Paul uses so this guy, Sceva, was a, uh, a chief priest. Um, but where was he chief priest? Nobody really knows. He had seven sons, all of them involved in the practice of exorcism. So this is a family business. Yes. And, and Sceva was just as involved as the, the boys. Oh, yes. Oh, he trained them. This is a family business. Uh, they were Kabbalah Jews going from town to town, practicing magic. And yet they were magicians, and yet they were claiming to cast out evil spirits. Yes. But they were operating in evil spirits. And you go, well, that doesn't make sense. The devil will do anything to, to keep people fooled. He'll cast out his own demons if that keeps you fooled. He doesn't care. So, 
the number of sons, seven, uh, Doc, it possibly, Eskiva had seven sons because he he believed in numerology and he thought seven sons would give him maximum power. Probably, yes, I can see that. So, you know, years earlier, he told his wife, you, you, you're making one more. We got to, we're not stopping at six. I got to have seven. Can't have six, got to have seven. And when we reach retirement age, you'll be glad we had seven because the power will be maximized. Remember, Kabbalah Jews believe in numerology. Numerology is essential to Kabbalahism. And that is just as much witchcraft as anything else. Yes. And, and, you know, you've got to be careful because a lot lot of Christians get sucked into the looking at the numbers and everything. You, uh, you know, there are there's significance to numbers in the scripture that that's true. But there's not magic power in numbers in the scripture. And that seems to be something that even a lot of uh, Christians or so-called Christians get enraptured by, Rick. Yes. Um. Particularly triple uh, seven, uh, you, you see seven 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 in a lot of things that uh, Christian Zionists use. You know, uh, I think they do it innocently, not realizing that they're they're actually practicing numerology because they've heard they've heard uh, a Kabbalah rabbi who is a pretending to be a Christian pastor. They've heard him talk about the the power of, of triple sevens, not realizing he's teaching numerology. Right. Verse 15. The evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's really funny. I can just see, you know, and hear the demon. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? I have no idea who you are. I'm not coming out because of you. Now, Jesus shows up, I'll leave. If Paul shows up, I'll leave. But I'm not showing up for you, Skiva. Or any of your boys. So, yeah. So the, the, the demon... In this possessed man, questioned their authority and knowledge. The demon recognized Jesus and Paul and acknowledged their authority and power. But the evil spirit challenged the legitimacy of the Jewish exorcists. And something else in this verse, Rick, that's interesting. Um, and I, I don't know how other translations uh, read this, but in the King James it says, Jesus I know and Paul I know. But it's two different words that are used for know. Okay, I didn't so, look into that. Huh? Yeah, so it says, Jesus I know, but that knowledge is based on, I recognize the authority and uh, uh, the uh, command of of Jesus, 
Okay, so that, that's what that no, it's genosco. Jesus, I genosco. Okay, I recognize the authority of the name of Jesus. But when it says Paul, it uses a different word, epistemi. And that word epistemi, so Paul, I epistemi, uh, basically the evil spirits say, I'm familiar with Paul. So I recognize the authority of Jesus. I'm familiar with Paul, but I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and so it adds a little bit extra layer of depth there. In uh, well, you got three. You have three levels of knowing. Right. The demons knew Jesus because they recognized him as the Son of God. Right. They had awareness of Paul. Because he was anointed by God to speak for Jesus. But when it came to Sceva and his sons, they had no idea who, who they were. That's right. Three different levels of, of the word no. That's right. So, you now have a dramatic turn of events. The possessed man leaped on the Jewish exorcist and beat him up. <laughs> he... he he stripped them naked and just whooped them. Uh, and, and so the vagabond Jews were forced to flee. Um, flee the house. They were naked and wounded. And they were the objects of public ridicule in Ephesus. They lost all of their respectability in Ephesus. The people saw. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, people who were there said, "Wait a minute." I, I, I heard a demon possessed man actually say he knew Paul and, and questioned who Skeva was. So the, the people who were there, this had an impact on them. What does this mean? The demon in that man said he knew Jesus. He had heard of Paul. But he had no idea who Sceva and his sons were. That had an impact on people, and that would spread throughout Ephesus. Now, think about this. This one man overpowered seven men, overpowered eight. them. Eight. Well, eight, you have to count dad. Overpowered them, stripped them naked. <laughs> and beat them up. Uh, that takes some work. <laughs> you better believe it. How did one man, well, one demon-possessed man... Uh, go against eight people and strip them completely naked. I just, it, it's a fascinating story, but it also tells you there's real power yes. in evil. I mean, there's real power, the real strength there. Don't underestimate it. Uh, that there is some genuine things that are going on in the, in the physical realm when evil is manifest. Doc, I think, uh, it, Law enforcement officers and correctional officers would tell you that they have encountered uh, criminals with superhuman strength. Yes. And which is why they have tasers. That's why they have restraining devices, because they can't control the person. The person, the person is being driven by the demons that's in him. Right. So we see here the, uh, the the exorcist did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. They referred to him as 
Jesus whom Paul preached. The other thing that we see here is the foolishness of a superficial use of the name of Jesus. That is a dangerous thing to do. Right. His name is not a a magical word. You just don't throw out his name. And that's what they were doing. Yes. It was superficial use of his holy name. We also see the power, the real power of the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and you know, sometimes even Christians are guilty of just uh, casually using the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um and if anything, if we get anything out of this lesson, it should humble us in knowing that the name of Jesus has power in it. Real, genuine power. And we're not to, you know, to say, say, to to say. That's right. Just saying his name releases power. That's why. Our society over the last 50 years has worked to um, convince Christians not to publicly say his name. You know, even down, I mean, it started, it started with, um, you know, removing Bible reading and prayer from public schools, you know, and then public buildings. And, and then it got, then it. You know, somewhere, I guess, in the 90s, it was, you can't say Merry Christmas. And it's just, they, they have stripped the name of Jesus from the church. And I don't think most Christians realize the brainwashing that's been done to the Christians in this country. Agreed. Say the name of Jesus as often as you can say it. Verse 16, the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them over. Powered them. Yes. And prevailed against them. This came known to all. Both Jews and Greeks who lived at Ephesus. Fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord was magnified. So the incident with Sceva and his seven sons <clears throat> involving the demon-possessed man became widely known among both Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus. It was, they could not keep it a secret. It was a topic of conversation in homes, in cafes, at the marketplace. In government buildings, people were talking about it. God used it. God used it to advertise the name of Jesus. Right. Did you hear what happened to the Skiva boys? Yep. <laughs> yeah, they left town. They they were naked. They had to go buy. They had to go buy clothes. They had to buy the clothes while they were naked. Think about that, dog. <laughs> If you if you've been stripped naked, you got to go to the clothing store and buy new clothes. But you're naked. 
Where do you put your wallet? You want to try it? You know, if the, if the shopkeeper said, "Do you want to try it?" Off? No, I'll just take it. <laughs> I'm going to put it on right now. <laughs> I'm going to put it on right now, and if it fits, that's fine. If it doesn't, that's fine too. I'm, I'm leaving. Okay. Um, so this event struck fear into the hearts of all who heard it. And they realized the seriousness of using the name of Jesus without genuine faith and authority. Right. Because that was the message. Don't mess around with the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. Don't, don't flippantly use his name like it's an incantation. And the people were, were filled with fear and awe, recognizing that the name of Jesus was not to be used lightly or insincerely. And the name of Jesus was greatly magnified. Amen. And this elevated awareness and respect for the name of Jesus. People held the name of Jesus with reverence understanding that it was a holy name verse 18 many of those who had believed came confessing and declaring their deeds many of those who had believed came they confessed they declared their deeds and what they did they what? declare what did they believe they believed what they saw and heard. And that they were not eyewitnesses to the very event. They believed the report about what happened. They came, came where? They came to Paul. What did they do? They confessed. They confessed their sins. They declared their sins. They declared their deeds. So this actually turned into a soul winning uh, meeting because fear and awe gripped the people who heard about this event. And, and the name of Jesus was magnified. And so many people who had previously practiced magical arts and sorcery came forward to confess their deeds and to openly declare their conversion to faith in Jesus. See, Sceva and his sons, these vagabond Jews, had been they had been evangelizing cities for Kabbalah. Kabbalah was the religion. Don't don't Today, don't believe any of this Judaism stuff. Most of them, their real religion is Kabbalah. Yes. They use Judaism as a cover. Their real religion is Kabbalah. They're witches and warlocks and wizards. Yes. Today. And you have, you have some very influential... American pastors and Bible teachers and evangelists who are going to Israel every year to be schooled by Kabbalists. And they admit it. 
They admit it. Yes. They tell you that they're doing it. They don't say Kabbalah. They just say in the mysteries of the Bible, the mysteries. The prominent rabbi. Yeah, if you hear a preacher talking about the mysteries of the Bible and what the rabbis taught him, you can just stick your tongue out at him. You know what he's doing. He's he's being taught Kabbalahism. That's right. So you had a lot of people who came and admitted that they were practicing the occult. They were into sorcery. They were practicing magical arts. And they acknowledged their sinful past and their involvement in the occult. And they, they renounced it. Praise God. And so we, we get to verse 19. Many of those who practice magical arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They counted their price and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Many people in Ephesus practice magic. They were into white magic, black magic, astrology, incantations, Kabbalah. It's all the same. It's, it's all, they're just various denominations in the church of Satan. Right. In fact, Ephesus was known for its magicians and astrologers. And there was something called the Ephesian spell. This is an interesting dog piece of information. The Ephesian spell was a small piece of parchment paper with capitalistic words written on it that had obscure meanings. Oh my goodness, it's tokenism. Yes, tokenism. The same thing Rabbi Schneerson did. Yes, tokenism. He'd he'd hand out those dollar bills to everybody. Yes, um, tokenism. And writing on them. Those dollar bills had writing on them. Oh my goodness. That's all it is. It's just tokenism. Wow. Yes, so they were called Ephesian spells. That's that's fascinating, Rick. That really is. So, So the people who practiced magic brought their magic books. And in a public display of repentance and rejection of magic and Kabbalah, they burned their books in public. Yes. You know, the world today, the world today, you know, the moment you say people burn their books, um, the news media will turn that into a Nazi event. Yes. No, these were people that burned books about magic and Kabbalah and spells and incantations. And this was a visible sign of their renunciation of the occult. Yes. And the, the tense of the verb implies that the burning was not a one-time event. Yes. Yeah, good it was continuous. That over days and weeks, maybe months, people kept burning their books because the Spirit of God was working in the hearts of more people. It wasn't 
I used to think, Doc, it was like this one-time event. Yes. But it actually, it went on for a duration of time. And the entire city of Ephesus saw this. It says all men witnessed this. Yes. Um, you know, Rick, that word curious arts uh, is kind of a fascinating word there. Um, that it says many of them also which use curious arts and it's witchcraft is what it is yes. but it, it's used only one other time in the scripture just one other time periergos it's only used one other time it's found in first timothy five thirteen. and with all they learned talking about uh, this is a uh, uh, paul writing to timothy talking about busybodies in the church and with all they learned to be idle wandering about from house to house and not only idle, but tattlers and busybodies. Now, that word busybodies there is the word curious arts. Really? Yes, yeah, speaking things which they ought not, it says. It's the same word. Busybody? Yes. I always thought it meant, I just thought it meant they were like going house to house gossiping and talking about nonsense and... That's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it. So these women that were wandering from house to house, they were uh, maybe playing around with, you know, cobblism at the time, speaking things which they ought not. It takes on a whole new meaning for that passage of scripture, doesn't it? It does. This uh, it says that the price, the value of the books, was estimated at fifty thousand pieces of silver. Now, I don't know how much silver was in each in each coin, um, but just to give you a a comparison, if each coin contained one ounce of silver, like we have a silver dollar in America, that's one ounce of silver. If those coins had one ounce of silver, then the combined monetary value of all the books that were burned in today's prices would be 1.2 million dollars right I mean if it was a half ounce of, of silver it's six hundred thousand dollars worth of books right and some of those books were highly valuable because they were extremely rare. And they contain magical, Kabbalistic secrets from ancient times. Think about it. There were people there 2,000 years ago who had ancient books. Yes. Think about that. <laughs> they were ancient then. So those books were highly valuable. But what we see here is the transformative power of the Christian faith to take people from practicing witchcraft and the occult and moving them into freedom in Christ. This is the work of the Holy Spirit because true repentance, what is repentance? Changing the way you think. Yes. True repentance involves confessing and forsaking your sins. You've changed the way you think about this object, this habit. These people changed the way they thought about 
magic and Kabbalah. Suddenly they understood it to be evil. They, their minds changed. This is, this is the real meaning of repentance. If your mind doesn't change about your sin, you haven't repented. Okay, I'm if you have, if your mind has not changed about your sins, you have not repented. Yeah, better better ruminate on that a little bit. Yes, that's you, your thought for today. If your mind is anything but Christ, <laughs> you have not repented. Hmm. So the burning of these books signified the rejection of practices that hindered the influence of the gospel in their lives. And it showed a willingness to forsake practices that they thought would provide them with power and protection but came to understand that that power and protection was from Satan and they renounced the works of the devil. You know, the early church and many, many traditional churches today in baptism before the baptismal candidate is baptized in water. They ask that person, have you renounced the devil and his works? In all his works, yes. In all his works. So, that's a great question to ask everybody today. Have you renounced Satan and all his works? Because there's a lot of people that have not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Some of them are absolutely true. The church. They're clinging to something that Satan offers them. They've not renounced all his works. If, if you are unmarried and you're having sexual relations without being married, you are still clinging to the evil works of the devil. And you have not renounced the devil and his evil works. Right. If you believe in killing babies either inside or outside the womb you have not renounced Satan and all his works that's right if you're playing around with pornography you have not renounced Satan and all his works you, there's no gray area if, if you're a frequent user of drugs and alcohol you have not renounced the devil's works so what we see in Ephesus was the victory of Christianity over darkness and superstition. And this burning of the occult books in Ephesus was a significant moment in the history of the early church and its impact on pagan practices. We get to verse 20. So the word of the Lord was growing and becoming mighty. Praise God. This event, the burning of the books, was a remarkable testimony to the power of God's word. 
because it caused people to willingly give up sinful practices. Some of them had to give up practices that brought them income. Right. Some had to give up their careers. Yes. You know, we don't see here that Skiva and his sons got saved. No, no they, they were naked and fled. So apparently they stayed in their sin. But the word of God triumphed over darkness. And it resulted in the conversion of many souls in Ephesus. And the word of the Lord grew and was mighty. And it overpowered evil. And the growth of the word of God was continuous and powerful. It was not a one-time event. It continued to move and affect the people of Ephesus and the surrounding regions. Then we get to verse 21. And this is really an opening into tomorrow's lesson. Now, after these things had ended, Paul determined in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to, Jer- to Jerusalem, saying, after I have, have been there, I must also see Rome. So, Paul's wrapping up his time here in Ephesus. He spent a significant amount of time in Ephesus. He got a church started. He preached, he taught, he performed miracles. He built a leadership team. He saw the conversion of many souls. But then he was guided by the Holy Spirit. It says, Paul determined in the Spirit. Yes. I've seen Bible commentary said, in his spirit, he made up his mind. That's not what it says. It's the Holy Spirit. Paul determined in the Holy Spirit. Paul was not somebody who said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go there. He knew that you needed to say, if the Lord wills, I will go to that city. So the Holy Spirit had spoken to him. And his final destination was Rome. He, he, he longed to see Rome. Uh, the desire had been nurtured over years and he had a, a he had a strong drive to preach the gospel to Jews and Gentiles in the city of Rome and we see you know Paul's tireless missionary zeal <laughs> he's just had this amazing thing happen in Ephesus man a lot of Preachers would say, I've waited all my life for something to happen like this. I'm not leaving. We're just getting started in Ephesus. Yes. Man, the people are burning their magic books. I'm not leaving. But Paul knew his time in Ephesus was over. The man instinctively knew the time to leave. And that's a that's a that's a difficult thing for anybody to discern the time to leave. There's a time to leave your work. There's a time to leave your job. There's a time to leave a place where you've 
live for a long time. There's a time. And Paul just instinctively knew when his time was up. And he always had another place to go. Paul was always dreaming about the next city he was going to. That doesn't mean you and I are to live that way. That's not what it means. But for Paul, that was the way he was to live. He couldn't wait to get to Ephesus. And then he couldn't wait to leave Ephesus. (laughs) Because he knew his time was up. He just knew it. He felt it. Have, Have any of you ever felt that, like, it could be this relationship's over. I just know it. It's time to leave this relationship. This job is over. It's time to leave this job. My time in this house is over. It's time to sell this house. My time in this city is over. It's time to move to another city. Have any of you ever felt that? I mean, if you're Christians, most likely it was the Holy Spirit putting that in you. Right. I have felt it in the past. Uh, I remember when the Lord spoke to my family to, to leave Texas. We love Texas. We love Texas like we love Florida. But our entire family. But let me ask you this, Rick. Did you love Florida before you left Texas? No. Yes. I had never lived in Florida. No, I had never lived in Florida. But I but I remember when the Lord started speaking to me saying, It's get ready, prepare, you're gonna leave Texas. And then Susan said it, then my daughter, Carissa, then Jeremy. It was over weeks, months. It wasn't spontaneous every all of us at one time. But we all came to this there was a disconnect. Something in our spirit disconnected. And we loved Texas. Absolutely loved it. But we felt this inner spiritual disconnect from Texas. And, you know, I remember leaving. I remember when I crossed the Texas line into uh, Louisiana. I was on um, I-10. or might have been I-20. I forget which highway it took. And I remember looking in the mirror. At the sunset and thinking, that's the last Texas sunset I'm going to see. Am I doing the right thing? What am I doing? You know, but I just knew I had to do this by faith. Right. I had to do it by faith. So now um, it would take God to get me out of Florida because I wouldn't leave on my own. I, I love it. Yes. But if the Lord disconnected me from Florida, then I'd have to go. Because once once the Holy Spirit reveals to you that the place you're in is, is over, the relationship that you're in is over, the job that you're in is over, if you stay, your life's going to be miserable. That's right. You're going to be miserable. You can't make it work. You can't make it work. Okay, hey, that's it for today. I think we need to wrap it up. 
Amen. And uh, for those of you who, you may be going through that very situation in your life right now, that uh, God's telling you to go. Some of you, he's telling you to stay and you want to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it can work the other way around. That's right. And so uh, be led by, like Paul, be led by the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you. Uh, you know, weigh out everything. Consider the cost, but at the same time, allow the Holy Spirit to speak, too. And uh, yeah. some of you right now are going through that very issue, and Rick spoke to you just right now and put a word in your heart about that to give you comfort and peace about it. All right. Hey, well, John. Yes, sir. T- t- tomorrow, and I need to, you know, I want to remind everybody that we're not going to have morning man on Thursday and Friday because uh, it's a holiday in America. And also my sister and brother-in-law are here at my home. They arrived yesterday. Um, I've not seen them since uh, summer of 2019. And so I'm, I'm going to spend the week with them. And uh, so I was just thinking, Doc, let's, uh, because we're not going to be here on Thursday and Friday, let's have communion tomorrow. Well, yeah, I'm glad you uh, said that, Rick, because I've had several people message me earlier today asking if we could. And because of our start to the program today, I wasn't able to have a conversation with you prior. And so, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm glad you said that. So tomorrow, everyone, prepare for the Lord's Supper for communion. Have uh, bread and uh, either uh, grape juice or red wine uh, for the elements of communion. Join us tomorrow. So we're going to have communion Wednesday. Instead of Communion Friday this week. And so uh, we have so much to uh, thank the Lord for. And so, and I hope that's not the Lord calling. No. It's um, it's a, the guy, his name's Scam, and his last name is Likely. <laughs> Do you I know him? Him all the time, too. So Does he call you a lot? Yes, he does. And so, old Scam Likely. Scam likely. So, well, folks, uh, so tomorrow join us for uh, the Lord's Supper communion as uh, uh, we have a short week this week. We will not be having morning men on Thursday and Friday this week. Uh, so join us tomorrow for communion. And also don't forget to join us each weekday afternoon at 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern time for True News, which you can hear on uh, WWCR International Shortwave, uh, True News, Faith and Values, Getter, Rumble, uh, all the different social media places. And you can always listen to the archives of True News on Faith and Values. And so we want to encourage you to do that. So join us again tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. for Morning Manna. God bless you. and We'll see you there, everybody. See you later today for True News. Hey, I hope Morning Manna is a blessing to you because it's a blessing to me to teach it. Oh, it's fun. Isn't it fun? It is. I I look forward to every morning at 8 a.m. If I had enough energy, I'd do seven days a week. But I do need to to, uh, slow down a little bit on the weekends. Uh, Actually, what I do on the weekends is I, I I use the weekends to prepare my lessons for the next five days. Right. So I am... I'm involved in morning manna on the weekends. I'm doing my Bible study. I'm laying out the outline. I'm making my points that I want to present. And I try to have all five lessons finished uh, on the weekend. Right. At least I have a general idea of what I'm going to talk about for five days. So that, that uh, 
eats up a lot of my time, but I enjoy it. It's got me in the Word of God. It's, it's not got labor, me, is it? Huh? It's not labor, is it? No, no. You can't, you can't get too much of the Word of God in you. It just blesses you and blesses you and blesses you. Speaking of blessing you, I was just notified while, while Morning Manor was playing that the good folks at American Reserve are going to have a Black Friday sale. Uh, that will go through Friday to Monday, which is what, Cyber Monday? Right. So I don't have the details. I just know they said it's going to be a spectacular weekend sale. So there you go. You're the first to hear about it. It's just been announced right here on True News. American Reserves will have a spectacular sale for good for, for Black Friday through Monday, Cyber Monday. That's coming this weekend right after uh, Thanksgiving. So um, if you're thinking about making a purchase, this could be the weekend to make a big sale. All right, got to go. I'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to Worldwide Christian Radio, WWCR, Nashville, Tennessee, USA. International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter.